0: Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. I faced it all and I stood tall and did it my way.
1: Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the grateful owner of God Country, Texas 770, KAAM, and I'm sitting with. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael C. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Well, I got two corrections here. First of
2: all, <laughs> my middle initial is B, so I'm not uh-huh. really sure what the C is. We'll get to that in just a second. And
1: uh-huh. Second here. of all,
2: due to COVID nineteen, even though the governor's issued a right to work, go back to work, and of course, a mm-hmm. radio station is an essential business, uh, but so it was a never really "quote unquote" affected so as much. Right. Uh, but. But we aren't sitting together. I should let the audience know that. Well, I'm sitting here with you. It
1: just doesn't mean you're sitting in person with me. You're with me on the phone. I should ah. have said on the phone. How okay. about that? Okay.
2: Oh, okay. All right. Okay. okay. Well, there
1: you go. And you, and you said what with the C sure stands for? COVID nineteen. Yeah, what is C? Think? Coronavirus. Uh, COVID nineteen. And uh, so that's going to be the theme of the week, the month, the year, the decade. I don't really. Why, Michael? I sure hope it's not the decade. Oh my goodness. I hope not
2: too. I hope this thing subsides, and I hope it subsides quickly. uh, uh I know a lot of people uh, uh or first of all uh we hope that everybody gets well yeah. second of all, I know a lot of people are going crazy and they want to get back to work and
1: mm-hmm. different times. well, I know you've adjusted very well um over the last seven weeks or so and Um, are allowed or able to have your workshops, although they're virtual online workshops. And we'll talk about that in the middle of the program. And uh, it sounds like those are going quite well with uh, 20 to 30 people attending. So essentially, although they're free, sold out. And uh, that's very good news. And we'll talk about the next one um, this month. Uh, But what we want to talk about first, Michael, today, uh, during today's program, over the phone, unfortunately, since we're not in person, is that because of COVID-19 or the coronavirus, uh, those documents that many of your clients and others who are listening um, uh, have in place may need to be changed, and you wanted to address that today.
2: Well, well, I mean, I, you know, it's not necessarily... Okay, so let me just talk about some general estate planning documents that maybe some people should rethink because mm-hmm. they may have some old estate planning documents. So okay. they just, you know... Pretty basic documents, but now with COVID-19, we have to perhaps rethink and make sure that we're okay given the concurrent situation. Mm-hmm. So, for example, on a living will, first of all, what is a living will? A living will, or as it's called in Texas, a direct positions The idea is to say, look, don't keep me alive artificially. If I'm going to die within six months anyway, don't use any heroic measures. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, that's, you know, seems fine and dandy. But a lot of times we get into specifics as to what you could exclude. Mm -hmm. No artificial hydration, nutrition, blood transfusions, antibiotics, dialysis, uh, CPR, intubation. Well, one second here. Um, You know, do you want to be intubated with COVID-19? A lot of people Mm do. And what about a ventilator? And intubate in a ventilator. You know, hmm. sometimes you'll have in your living will, and so somebody who has that in their living will that says, "Okay, pull that. You know, don't don't intubate me, or to uh, have me, um, uh, you know, have, be on a ventilator." One second, those are things are needed nowadays. Yeah. So you and, and so if you have that, and I, you know, I'm not saying that everybody just has to look at their own living will, assuming that they have a living will. I think of a living will as a basic document that everybody should have. If you don't have one, you probably should. I mm-hmm. had one when my, my older daughter, uh, who's now 21, uh, turned 18. Uh, I had her sign a living will, all the standard type documents. I say standard things that I think everybody should have, which includes a power of attorney, medical power of attorney, will, etc. And so... Um, so everybody should have that, and, and I have a 17-year-old daughter, and when she turns 18, I'll have her sign all those things, too. So it doesn't, you don't have to be older to have a documents. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, I'm, nothing's going to happen to me if I'm 18 years old, but that's just not the way the world works. We heard mm-hmm. about uh, a 17-year-old that unfortunately died in Lancaster uh, last week, I believe it was, or maybe it was this week, I don't remember. Uh, but it wasn't that long ago, so bad things happen at no matter what age. And right. so um, we have to look at it. so so even something as simple as a living will, a directive to physicians. We need to look at that and see. You need to look at that and see if you're if that's something that you still want. It could be now now sometimes people have medically induced comas and things like that that we want to be kept alive. It's not that we uh, most people recover from COVID nineteen. Uh, So we want to give every opportunity to do that. So Mm -hmm. anyway, so a living will should be looked at. Um, Also, let's talk about a um, financial power of attorney. Financial power of attorney, how does that affect COVID-19? Okay, be affected by it. Well, most people think I only want my power of attorney to become effective when I become disabled. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it durable. Uh, I only want, you know, I only want to handle my own affairs until I'm disabled. Well, how do we determine when you're disabled? Do we even want to go out if we're older? Do we want to go out to determine, and how long would it take if, if, if we did go out uh, to even get an appointment and put ourselves at risk? Um, so, do you want to have it springing? or do you want to have it effective immediately? Now, we've always recommended, uh, by the way, that it be effective immediately, what, 99% of the time. There are some situations, you know, where where people might have it springing, but generally, how do you determine when there's disability? Uh, You know, let's say you have some sort of dementia, but when does that person cross the line to no longer having capacity? So as a result, we usually have, if we trust the person, we usually want the agent to be act to be able to act immediately. By the way, a power of attorney terminates on death. A power of attorney terminates on death. And then that's when, like, if you have a will, who the executor is, or if you have a trust, of course, then it, the trust lives on, trust never dies or becomes disabled. Well, so on a financial power of attorney, you want to make sure that your power of attorney, uh, it, certainly in these days of COVID-19, that we want to have it effective immediately and not have to worry about going to doctors and determining if there's disability. Uh, So uh, if you have a springing power of attorney, uh, so there's usually an alt in Texas, usually there you have uh, an option. Do we have it effective immediately or spring upon disability? So uh, so somebody should look at that simple document. I say simple document, but a very important document, the power of attorney, which deals with your assets during your lifetime or being able to contract for you or sell property or, you know, things like that. Uh, a financial power of attorney is a very powerful document that you should be effective immediately, assuming that you trust the person. Of course, if you didn't trust the person, it shouldn't be your agent. All right. Another do- simple document that most people have that's uh, pretty, is a medical power of attorney. A medical power of attorney. Okay, well, first of all, it is a medical power of attorney. Who makes medical decisions for you if you cannot make them for yourself? Okay, so you usually have a pecking order. This is the order of who gets to choose. Uh, to, if I can't make decisions for myself, who can make those medical decisions? Okay, but, okay, but what's our current situation with COVID-19? Can anybody usually? When do they make those decisions? Where are those decisions? Usually, they're at the hospital. Can you visit the hospital now? Well, maybe not. So, if you had a medical power of attorney, probably not. If you have a medical power of attorney, then do you have any? Do you have any other way to get? Is there anything in that power of attorney where you could get contacted? So, if you just had somebody's names. And you didn't have a telephone number, address, uh, you know sometimes I guess an email, but the question is on the email, uh, the problem is privacy, privacy. you know medical records and medical information is private, which is another thing that could be another thing that should probably just be mentioned as we talk about these things, and that's the HIPAA laws, the privacy laws. So if you have in and if you had an old medical power attorney, they probably, because the privacy laws are not new anymore, but certainly less than 20 years old. So if you had an old medical power attorney, they probably didn't even address the privacy laws. Or if you had some sort of form, something like that, that didn't address it, you should have, you know, some, some people have these standard forms that don't that address things like privacy. Well, how are you going to have, find out about the medical information? Because a medical power attorney, if it only springs upon your disability and you have privacy, so you have to see so what you have to do in your medical power of attorney is have a personal representative, and uh, so you have to have language that says you have a personal representative, and that could be also in the financial power of attorney if you had uh, privacy information there as well. And but usually we do a separate what I call universal. What does that mean? Uh, all you doctors, hospitals, whomever. I give these people the authority to have access to medical, my medical records, not only at life, but even after death. So if there was some problem uh, at the hospital and you wanted to find out information, I give these people the authority to have access to my medical records. So, um, if you don't, so even though that has nothing to do necessarily with, with uh, COVID-19, but it could. And so uh, I think that even on these simple documents, that is the simple documents we just mentioned. The living will, with the intubation and ventilator issues. Uh, that you may even have some special provisions on it. The financial power of attorney: uh, Who has the right to make medical decisions? Well, you don't. You don't want it to be springing. Um, you want it to be effective immediately. Generally, uh, a medical power of attorney: Who makes medical decisions? Well, if it's only springs, how are you going to? think uh medical information is private, how are you going to have access? So that's why you need to have some HIPAA language and some representative appointed, not only in the, the, the medical power of attorney document itself, but you'll probably also have a separate uh, document saying who has access, who is the personal representative that give access to your medical records should, should something bad occur. That's good even death or at, uh, at, uh, during lifetime. Uh, We have had situations where people uh, tried to get information even after passing because they were concerned that, unfortunately, that um, they wanted to know different things or perhaps a hospital made an error, you know, things like that. So um, those are pretty standard things now that uh, we have to consider in the COVID-19 days uh, that we're presently in. Excellent. I, I you know, of course, this is probably a good idea to talk about a lot of different things. You know, we talked last week a uh, little bit about um, how you could even do wills and powers of attorney and medicals with power of attorney. Uh, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago show how the governor on April the 9th um, issued an order where you could sign these things um, virtually. So nowadays, uh, while the pandemic uh, is still in existence, you, even if you had to do something new, you don't even have to get out of your own house. You could be uh, in your home and, uh, and then the uh, attorney or a notary, could be someplace else, and they just could see, do things virtually now. Uh, it used to be that we could do online notarization, uh, but they had to have special requirements and you couldn't do these type of things. But the governor issued a temporary order while the pandemic is in existence, uh, until that temporary order is uh, uh, over with, then the rules have been relaxed. So you could be in the comfort of your own home. I was talking to somebody this morning, and she's going to be <clears throat> dying within the next month. She has a cancer, so well, you don't have to leave your home. Um, you could really just be at your home, and we could I could see you over on your laptop, and uh, you could see me and We can handle the signing of the power of attorney and the living will and the medical power of attorney and your will all online,
1: at least until the pandemic subsides. Excellent. Times have changed. Yeah. It's very good to to know this, and I'm glad the governor is adapting. Um, I wonder, since you brought it up, um, this is, of course, not a predetermined or instead an organic question. What do you think should remain in place? once, as you said, the pandemic is over, whenever that is. And we don't know. We even said at the beginning of the program that could be years. But are there certain things like having um, documents notarized online via Zoom or video conferencing? Um, should that remain in place or must it be done in person, in your opinion? Well, I
2: mean, I think with the will, it's a little bit more, um, you know, you want to make sure that the, there's more room for error because, there could be more room for either undue influence or fraud. And so I think it'd be better, um, it's not to say that couldn't happen on any of the documents, but uh, I think when you think about disposition of your assets, it would probably be better to have it uh, in person so you could talk to people and you could make sure that they're uh, more likely to be separated. The Usually when there's will contest, it's either... Uh, undue influence or duress or lack of mental capacity. When you're in person, you could say, you know, family member, you need to walk outside and not be inside the room right now, or uh, so that there's less likelihood of that undue influence. Or uh, you could see, you could ask the per- persons of uh, uh, the person, persons, whoever they may be who are signing documents, whether you could find out. Different questions that you could ask to make sure that there's a sufficient mental capacity. Although mm-hmm. a lot of times what we do is we get a doctor to sign an affidavit, one who specializes the mind, if it's a questionable capacity situation. But you're you're at least going to be able to see the person a little bit better. See, you know, so if they if they're in your office and they start walking down the wrong way, and he said, oh gee, they have something. They may. Uh, in in my say, gee, especially if you saw some other signs that they may have had some dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was something that you noticed. There was something that they weren't following. There was something that they were repeating that didn't seem to make sense. There mm-hmm. was something that they didn't were disoriented or something that you, you noticed that maybe that was the way they were, they were dressed or maybe it was the way there was something about it you, you, you noticed was maybe there was a problem. Uh, there's just lots of different things that you notice that uh, that are probably uh, that you could see in person that you might not be able to see uh, virtually uh, and because if let's say I had the camera on the cameras right in front of you and uh, there's somebody that's outside the camera that's saying here's a you know whatever and I can't see it you know, and yeah. uh, and they just repeat, and and so, I, I, when you have somebody in person, I think a will should still continue to be, really should be in person if at all possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other documents, uh, I you know, I think that there's, although they are very important documents, extremely important. Uh, I, I don't think of them as important, although, uh, actually, a financial power attorney might be, might be even more important than a will because you could, somebody gets abuse of it taking care of your assets during your lifetime. Uh, so it could mean that all your assets could have been uh, dissipated uh, with somebody when you need the assets the most. Uh, we had a situation last week where it wasn't an agent or a power of attorney, but the 90-year-old woman uh, had inherited $800,000 in and somebody with a Social Security uh, uh, el- uh, elder abuse scam, is what I would mm. call it. Oh, boy. She said that her Social Security number uh, had been changed uh, and that she needed to send out cash to them, and she's given away six hundred dollars that $800,000 um, to somebody she doesn't even know because they threatened mm. her. And they said, you have to take it out. That, that Her number had been, been changed and she'd be in trouble. There's a lot of elder abuse, a lot of scams,
1: Right. So we have to be careful about a lot of different things right now. Okay. Very, very helpful. Um, and to way to protect yourself um, in this, um, this era of extra protection in light of the COVID-19, but you also need to protect yourself in terms of your estate planning, um, government assistance and benefits, as Michael just said, regarding all the scams and scammers that are out there, especially these days. Goodness gracious. Uh, the best way to do that is to attend Michael's next workshop, which is online. And um, that next one is Saturday, May the 16th, at 10 o'clock in the morning. And, Michael, please explain this now that you've done a few of these.
2: Yeah, um, really, we, it's, first of all, it's really simple. It's surprising. I, I should tell you that I thought that I was technologically an idiot uh, but uh, and probably if you ask my 21 uh, year old, 17 year old, that's still let's say that I am. But it's we, we make it really simple. Uh, it's all you have to do is we give a we tell everybody exactly what to do. We have somebody who spends uh, just you know whatever time is needed to just to show you. But all you have to do is click, and um, and then you're on. Mm-hmm. You click a button, uh, and then you're on the virtual workshop. All you need is like a laptop. Or, or iPad something like that uh, and then you can just have this ask whatever it is that you want to know about estate planning and of course it's free there's no obligations or anything like that uh, in fact if you go to a free estate planning essentials workshop where you ask whatever questions you want to know and get to hear what other people are asking as well uh, you also get a free vision meeting which is a we call it a vision meeting where we look at your own situation and see are you covered the way you want to be covered? Maybe it's we look at those simple documents that we just talked about and see if those things were covered that the way you went on during COVID-19. Maybe it's uh, that you have a different plan. Maybe uh, you want to protect your family from lawsuits or creditors or bad marriage or some spouse remarrying or somebody is disabled or somebody who's a minor or you're concerned that your spouse might remarry or you're concerned, you know, it could be any number of things or maybe you're concerned about... Um, uh, your, not only long-term care costs or maybe getting eligibility for benefits, whether it be Medicaid or be, veteran's benefits, it could be on any number of things. It could be on new legislation dealing with coronavirus. It could be on anything that you want to know. We ask people, what do you want to know? And then then we just respond to those over a couple hours. You'll Excellent. see that the time just absolutely flies by. If you want to join that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call us at 214 720 0102 that's 214 720 0102 or sign up online at dallaselderlawyer.com dallaselderlawyer.com i should say that if you are interested i would suggest to do is we try to uh, to do as soon as possible cuz we try to limit it so that there's not too many uh you know questions so we can answer everybody's questions efficiently uh... so we limit the amount of people that go on to it even though we could have as many as we wanted uh, as many as there's no limit. It's not like Zoom that has a limit of a hundred unless you have extra you know that you pay extra for or whatever but we don't uh... we don't have it that large we have it smaller in any event to make sure that we
1: answer all the questions it's very good uh, we do sign start? up today yeah. it's saturday may the sixteenth at ten o'clock in the morning And uh, you will not regret the two hours. You can enjoy the workshop right from the comfort of your own living room and couch. Michael, we got about three minutes left. I just want to ask you one question based on what you said in the first segment. And that is, when it comes to the powers of attorney and individuals that execute those, how often upon death do those individuals then become the PR or the executor of that person's estate? Does that happen a lot where they just roll right into that position?
2: Uh, well, usually the person that you trust uh, often is the same person. So let's say uh, often, let's say you have a child, and you say, "Okay, this child I think is best to handle the financial matters." All right, so I name that person as my agent, or maybe a spouse, and and then that person can act. I on want this person, maybe child two or child. One, depending on you know who it is, it doesn't have to be a child or a spouse. It could be mm-hmm. anybody. It's got to be somebody mm-hmm. that you trust. So usually, um, most of the time, we see that it is the same person
1: it's that chooses
2: the agent, of the financial power of attorney, as the one who is also named as the executor. But not always. Not always. It could be that sometimes people say, "Well, I, I, um, I want this person to be the one taking care of things, but this person's better to make medical decisions." She's a hmm. nurse. And, right. Uh, something like that. But then, of course, there could be a conflict because, okay, I want this type of treatment. And, they, and, uh, and the financial power of attorney says, well, that's fine, but I'm not paying for it. So there uh, could be a conflict if you have different people. So, so the answer is generally it is the same,
1: but not always. Okay. Very helpful. Um, so that would make sense, the medical one, and having, having a, an individual who is a nurse or a doctor treat you. Um, and take care of you um, seems very logical. Uh, what about perhaps the financial part of it? Would it be better to have someone who might be a financial planner who who can budget the cash flow oh, no, better, no. or or not? No.
2: I, first of all, first of all, I was making reference to let's say a family member being a nurse or a doctor or whatever, mm-hmm. and not necessarily your own uh, doctor because that uh-huh. that person uh, is not as close, and I'm not sure that they would make the decisions, although sometimes people do things like that. Uh-huh. And on, on the financial advisor, sometimes they have, um, on their licensing requirements, they cannot do that. Uh, often that's the case, in fact. Uh, there can be that situations that you can, like in your will, you say, I want so-and-so to be my financial advisor even after I die, mm-hmm. or in your trust. You can do that as well, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, so you can make reference, and sometimes sometimes um, Sometimes you might see them, uh, although not often, as a trust protector. A trust protector somebody gives the ability to change. Somebody who's acting orderly for oh. whatever reason in, in hmm. the role of this trustee. Uh, uh, usually, though, that is a fiduciary as well. A fiduciary is held to a higher standard. So, again, the licensing uh, could um, come into play there for a financial advisor. Uh, so, uh, you know... But you can do different things if you want to get more protective. Uh, estate planning is really about how much protection you want. Uh, so it's just how many layers of protection. You know, we mentioned a few minutes ago about do you want to protect uh, your loved ones? If you give everything to your spouse, are you concerned that they're going to get remarried? Are you concerned that they're going to get sued? Are you concerned, you know, whatever, instead of giving it to them outright? Same thing with the children. Are you concerned that they have creditors or if their marriage doesn't work out or that their spouse might get remarried? Are you concerned mm-hmm. that you want to make sure that a, somebody's mature enough to get have, have funds? Are you concerned that somebody's a spendthrift? Are you concerned that somebody might become disabled by the time you pass? Are you concerned? Yeah. You know, so it's whatever you want to protect against. It's up to you. You just have to
1: I always say I'm Baskin-Robbins. I just tell you flavors and you choose what you like. Exactly, and he's been saying that for five years now, and he continues to say it to this day, and there's another example from the last 27 minutes of why he's a top estate planning attorney in the entire state of Texas and perhaps the best in all of Dallas and why you should attend his next workshop. That is on Saturday, May the 16th at 10 o'clock. Be sure to sign up for that immediately because they do fill up quickly. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102 we we'll We're go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, for Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N's next virtual online workshop. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, Don.